Hello again. I am Chris Lee, joined by Blake Lovell and Max Barr as we set to discuss SEC basketball results from Tuesday. A reminder, content brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. All the major pro sports are in action this week with college football playoffs ready to kick off. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today, get in the action, see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. We always start in order that the games are listed on the SEC's website. That means first up is South Carolina. It beat Winthrop 72-62. Gentlemen, I don't know how much time we've spent talking about South Carolina's backcourt. Michi Johnson and Talon Cooper are having two of the best years of any guards in the SEC. They were good again last night. Johnson goes for 20 points in 33 minutes. Cooper gets 13 points, six rebounds, three assists, although he did have three turnovers. The Gamecocks continue to roll, now 10-1. and one. Uh, Blake, what did you take away from South Carolina's win over Winthrop? I mean, in fairness, like I, I think all we talked about is their guards. I mean, I don't – because I don't know that there is – I don't mean this in the wrong way, but like – that's really what drives them. I mean, I feel like Max, I mean, we, we've said like the big four, like it's, it's kind of, we've just dubbed it the big yep. four all year of Michi Johnson, Salon Cooper, Miles Studi, BJ Mack. Now I know not everyone's, you know, a traditional guard in that group, but um, you know, Max, a, a big guy and um, you know, the other three debatable, I think Studi, he feels like a guard, right? Like, I mean, he's, you know, six, six, four type guy, but this feels like a guy because he can step out and make shots. Like that's how you kind of look at him. But, but yes, like specifically those two that you mentioned, Chris, the Nietzsche Johnson, Salon Cooper, like that's, that's the reason why they're here. Um, you know, and, and it was, I, I remember doing the video on Cooper this summer and I said, Hey, this feels like kind of, you know, a pretty significant addition for South Carolina team that if you go back to last year, um, boy, they were bad offensively, really bad. And, you know, he felt like someone that played a lot of minutes in college and now, you know, could help them. And we've seen that to, to this point. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you're not going to have these guys, not all of them are going to score 14 points a game every night. But the fact is you've got four great options in terms of guys who can step up and make shots. And, you know, like we said, these aren't all going to be pretty wins for South Carolina. They're not, they're not all of a sudden going from, what many projected and ourselves included to be the 14th best team in a 14 team league um, to being, you know, a top three team right away. Like they're still working through some things like everybody else, but they've just managed to turn into a lot more wins. Uh, and yeah, I thought this was kind of the same theme here where, you know, at times maybe this gets a little close for comfort, but you know, either way, I mean, it's another win for South Carolina and yeah, it's kind of driven by, those two guards and, you know, everyone else that can kind of play their role right now. So. Yeah. Good. I mean, great breakdown. Uh, if you, if you look at the game and how this game kind of, kind of flowed out, South Carolina jumps out to an early lead up by 10, 11 points real early, and then just kind of puts on uh, cruise control and, you know, a little bit of the following problem and um, Winthrop, you know, hangs around a little bit. 
Uh, biggest thing that jumps off to me here is is the free throw numbers. Uh, Winthrop, 29 attempted free throws to only 12 for South Carolina. Now, South Carolina made 12 for 12, so that'll help. Um, but just, just got to uh, defend without following a little bit better. Uh, Miles Studi, a part of that big four, got into some foul trouble, four fouls. BJ Mack had three. So um, when you have a when you have a, a big four like we have dubbed South Carolina here, where it's a pretty sizable drop off in production when you don't have those four on the court, uh, gotta stay out of foul trouble. And uh, we're able to escape against this Winthrop team, but with SEC play here coming around the corner, I'm gonna really want uh, to uh, fix that up. And hey. Better be now uh, with a few, you know, two weeks to practice and 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 kind of fix that up a little bit before conference play here because uh, South Carolina is looking good. I'm just kind of nitpicking a little bit, but uh, when you have Johnson, Cooper, Studi, and Mac on on the court, there's it's hard to imagine uh, they'll be outmatched by another foursome. So yeah, I'm like in South Carolina here, still rolling. Gentlemen, they're big four all transfers. Uh, Michi Johnson was at, I think, at Ohio State. B.J. Mack was at, what, South Florida and Wofford. Uh, Miles Studi from Vanderbilt. And Taylon Cooper uh, started at Moorhead State, I think went to Minnesota. Cooper, not even the, the best former Moorhead State player in this league, guys. Did you did you realize that? That's a good little nugget there. That's right. Moorhead that's why, State why coming over to the SEC. Yeah, poor Preston Spradlin built built the team and and just watching him getting picked off because <laughs> obviously the, the the number one guy we're talking about is at Auburn right now, yes. which I'm sure you guys knew. We did we did notice that Chris as Janai Broom was our preseason player of the year. <laughs> we did notice that Chris. We, we did. He just he just that. sits back and waits for me to say these things. I, I just I just waited for that one. So. Yes, I, I agree. He is from Ohio State. Or not Moorhead State, not Ohio State. <laughs> Sorry. Just saying. All right. Next up was Ole Miss 53, Troy. I'm sorry, Ole Miss 74, well, Troy 53. Yes, Blake? I was, I was like, hold on a second. Like, we're not to the rock fight portion of Ole Miss's schedule just yet. Like, you know, <laughs> the, the, they're going to have some games where I think they may win 53 to 51, but we're not there quite yet. So, all right. But Max, I'll let you start since Blake started on the last one. What, what do we take away from this one? Uh, the, the guards scored a lot of points as usual uh, for the Rebels. Alan Flanagan, 13 points, nine assists last night. Um, Matt Morrell goes for his usual 18. What what stood out here to you? Well, if we're ta- if we want to start with Matt Morrell, he had a double double, and uh, it wasn't with assists or rebounds. It was with steals. He had eight. He had 18 points and 10 steals. That's unbelievable. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen that to be honest in my lifetime. Um, but Blake, what happened in this one? This wasn't a close game. We're yeah. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm out of sorts right now. I'm like, wait a second, we're talking about Ole Miss, not a close game. Um, hey, they finally got it done. I think I think getting those uh getting the the waivers cleared, uh Brandon Murray, 16 minutes now. Um, you know, didn't put too much up on the stat sheet, but just getting into the swing of things. Uh Musa Cisse did go down with a little bit of a knee injury. Um, a little bit scary there for a second, but uh Beard said after in the uh, post game presser that it's nothing structural you know, so that it shouldn't be, you know, anything too damaging. But 
I was kind of surprised. We finally got a we finally got a full forty minutes and a and a pretty easy win here for Ole Miss. What do you think, Blake? Yeah, I'm a little disappointed that this was a twenty one point win for the Rebels. I, I like to keep this thing within ten. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's it was like I I was watching this game. I'm like, oh yeah, this thing's not going to be a ten point game. They're going to wind up winning this game convincingly, and yeah, they did. I mean, um, but but again, it's just I think you see what this team is capable of and. You know, even though Brandon Murray, you know, and played 16 minutes, only had four points. I just, I think you're going to see him continue to, you know, remember this is what this is second game back, um, and so uh, 16 minutes this game, 17 minutes last game. I think once he gets back into a bit of a groove, you know, in, in real game action, I think you're going to see that he'll he'll help them considerably offensively. But same time, if you got Flanagan, Judy Murray, Matthew Morell, Breakfield all playing with that kind of consistency. And like you said, a guy that can get a double-double on steals, um, you're, you're doing pretty good for yourselves. And so the CSA thing, you know, like I said, it's um, hopefully fine. They are good to go soon enough. And like you said, avoided a, any significant injury. So, um, yeah, man, I, we just can play what we said in the summer on loop. And now that it seems like they have their full roster is just, you know, one through seven, eight, whatever. Now, I, I feel good about my chances if I'm an Ole Miss fan against a lot of teams in the SEC, and we'll see if this uh, trend continues. But 11-0 have not yet lost in the Chris Beard era. So, Are we still at four unbeatens after last night? JMU won. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. Houston, James Madison, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, right? Think so, Oklahoma. How about that? Mm. Crazy, and they got a uh, they got North Carolina here. Mm-hmm. Big game. welcome, Sooner fans. <laughs> Stay undefeated. <laughs> nice for our our viewership. Yes, it is. Say what's not nice All right. for our viewership. Yeah, speak, speaking of not nice for our viewership, uh, I present to you the Vanderbilt Commodores who were down the whole game, got up seven with under three minutes to play, and lost 63-62 to Western Carolina. Vanderbilt now four and seven against the strength of schedule. I think, according to Ken Palm, is, is 283. Um, we, we can talk about the game if we want. But, Blake, I, I got a question for you, okay? Mm-hmm. We, we have covered some bad basketball teams in the SEC. More good than bad, but we've covered some real stinkers. You had Bryce Drew's 0-18 team, what was it, five seasons ago. You had Tom Crean's last act at Georgia, uh, where they were 6-25 and or whatever they were. Is this Vandy team worse than than any of them? Um, I don't know that I would go that far. And I know that you're going to say, oh, well, the Ken Palm and the computers. And I, I know, but like, I, I, I just think that Georgia team was, I, I don't know. Now, remember though, the thing with that Georgia team was they won one game in SEC play that year. And that was, you know, against uh, Alabama. Um, and I, I mean, statistically, yes, you would have to say yes. Right. But I have to go back and really think about, what some of those teams were, because the fact is like, they still have, they still have the two guards. And I, I know they've, 
you know, there's just been ups and downs. They haven't had those guys together all year. I, I'm trying here, but I still think those are two good players. It's just, I, I don't know what everybody else maybe was thinking coming into the season. I even said, I said, look, they could be a sleeper team if everything goes right. But I just still looked at the roster and said, you know, I don't know. Like everybody, we always try to be optimistic and, I was seeing people out there saying, well, Vandy's definitely a top five team in the SEC. And I just, I don't know where that came from. Um, you know, just because you have two good guards, that's not enough in the SEC to win a lot of games. And, but, but think about everything I just said. And I said it for a reason. We're not even talking about SEC games. We're talking about beating Western Carolina, Presbyterian, um, nothing against those teams. I think Justin Gray is a good coach. But I mean, I, I don't know, guys. Like it's here. Here's what I know. I told you guys. I don't think this was during the recording. I told you guys Western Carolina is going to win this game. Like you just you feel the momentum of this program where it is right now. And I, I said, I said, I think Justin Gray is a good coach. He'll have them prepared. I don't think that's a bad team. Um, should they be beating Vanderbilt on their home court? No. But it happened. And it's just another one in what is now a lost season for the Commodores because I can't in any way, shape, or form be confident that they're going to be able to make a run this year like they did last year. I don't know how you could possibly project that based on what we've seen so far. Um, and so, you know, and you got to go to Memphis on Saturday. I don't know if you watched Memphis play last night, but they look pretty good. So, the open SEC play against Alabama. So, all that said, Chris, that, that was the lead-in for the real news here. And the real news is that Vanderbilt dropping to 4-7 and seven and losing 63-62 to 62 to Western Carolina, I'll tell you who rewards that kind of play. You know who rewards that kind of play? The NCAA net rankings, because the Commodores have moved up two spots after their loss to Western Carolina. They are now 296. So, of course, it makes sense, right? You should move up after that. So, congratulations to all the net ranking backers out there. Yes, clearly this formula works. So, Yeah, I love the net, and that's really cool and really great. Um, you mentioned Memphis. Just wanted, uh, just wanted to just mention that I think Ole Miss beat them. Oh, yeah, they did. Um, oh, so, uh, yeah, Western Carolina. Not a bad team, but when you shoot one for 14 from three, you're probably not going to win that game. And you don't have Colin Smith, and you don't have Van Allen Lubin, and you're already missing Liam Robbins. Recipe for disaster. So, yeah, I mean, Blake said he told me off the air yesterday, he said Western Carolina is going to win. Um, I saw the news that Lubin was out along with Smith. I placed a wager on Carol Western Carolina. I mean, it was just a, it was a bad, bad, bad storm. Uh, for Vandy, who's already pretty thin in the in the front court. Um, if they have Colin Smith, they have Ben Allen Lubin, probably win that game. They're probably not shooting one of 14 from three uh, and getting crushed on the boards. So, I mean, that Woolbright guy had like 12 boards. It crushed him. So, yeah, uh, I don't really know what else to say other than what, what Blake already mentioned. Um, you need more than two guards to uh, to win games here now. Without looking, how many games do you think Ken Palm has Vanderbilt winning individually the rest of the season? One. Say two. 
If they play LSU one. somewhere, they might have a on chance in that one. Dartmouth. No, they they are ten point underdogs to LSU. Um, on well, the I was thinking the home game. That's the road. Well, game. Okay, the they, they game. are four point. They're only four point underdogs in that one. They do play LSU oh. twice. Yeah, that's that's the one I was thinking of. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't. Again, what else do we add here? I mean, it's you know, this just shouldn't. It shouldn't be this way. Like I don't. I'll tell you what I was doing at eleven o'clock last night. I was going through Basketball Reference, and. I was tallying the amount of SEC wins that Kevin Stallings had at Vanderbilt in his last, I don't know, five seasons, something like that. And then I was tallying how many SEC wins and just overall wins Vanderbilt's had since then. And you could also tie in, I was trying to put together a list of bad losses, which those really accumulated. Um, so it's just, I, you know, maybe, maybe there's some people out there that are younger and they've just gotten into SEC basketball in the past, I don't know, six or seven years. And they would think Vanderbilt has just always been the absolute, you know, bottom tier outside of a couple runs here or there the past couple seasons. You know, they've always finished in the bottom of the SEC somewhere in there. That's probably what a lot of people think if you just started watching this league the past eight seasons or so. But as more people know who have watched longer than that, um, my goodness, there was just a time where this was just completely unacceptable. Like, and this, you just never saw this. And, um, yeah, unfortunately it just, it's, it does. It feels like this is just a season that has gone off course, whether due to injuries, whether due to a lot of other factors. Um, and yeah, these are just things that take a fan base that already was kind of hanging on by a thread and you just, you know, I don't even know what you say at this point. So, Blake, from 2010, 2011, 2012, those were three straight top 40 years for Vanderbilt in 2012, finishing 16th on Ken Palm. So, man. I mean, it, here, here's what I'll say, okay? And I, I, I don't want to go too far into this because I know this is going to spur a discussion about how Kevin Stallings had to go and all this other stuff. And I'm not, I'm not getting into the Stallings thing. Um, Chris knows where I stand on Kevin Stallings, and I'm not going to get into it further but the fact is if you look at some of the seasons they had it's a different landscape too now what i am i saying that he would be able to fare well and maybe this landscape i don't know because those were teams he had where he had guys for multiple years and he built them up and that worked but all i'm i'm using this as the argument of vanderbilt basketball for those again who maybe have just seen the down years which there have been a lot of them over the past six or seven years it used to be the thing where you just expected Vanderbilt to be a top five team in the SEC somewhere in there. Um, you know, maybe they weren't always going to be ahead of Kentucky or Tennessee or whatever, or Florida when they had, you know, their run in the mid two thousands and all that, but they, they could beat those teams, you know, that they, they had a really good chance and they had a roster that, um, you know, was able to compete and not lose these kind of games. Um, and so, I don't know. This is just a, again, this is a much bigger conversation uh, in terms of the trajectory of the program and the history and the tradition and all that. And yeah, it's just not, um, again, outside of the run they made at the end of last season, it's just not been there in a while. So Blake Ken Palm has them going seven and 24 for this year. And I know it just said they're only predicted to win one game outright, but if you got a 40% chance to win 
you know, five games or whatever, that's that's two wins out of five based on the sum of probabilities. But this is what's interesting. 8.7% chance to go winless in the league. I mean, you win a game by accident. The, 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 the fact that those odds are that high and we're sitting here in near the end of December, and, and oh, by the way, that doesn't factor in the loss of Colin Smith, I don't think. It's really unbelievable. Um, Blake and I are in the Nashville area. We're, we're very familiar with that program. We've been to hundreds of games combined in that gym. I'm just, I'm to the point where I wonder what their standards are anymore or if they really have any. Like what? Here's the thing, right? Like Bryce Drew took over 2016. Yeah. Um, like it is just it is so wild to think about what's happened since then. <laughs> like really, I mean, and and that's yeah. you know he went nineteen and sixteen his first season, but really beyond that, right? You just and like I said, I don't think we can just completely look away from what they did last season. Like that was a that was a big achievement to to finish the season the way they did. They won twenty two games, they won eleven games in league play. You know they didn't get in the NCAA tournament, but we said hey, we felt like they had an argument to get there. Um, but it's just maybe that's the most disappointing part of this. I would say for Vanderbilt fans is you get finally, you finally get out of the abyss, right. Of just feeling like you've underachieved for however many seasons in a row it had been at that point, what four or five, maybe, which I know they won 19 games the year before, but still, you know, you felt like you were starting to turn the corner, but you weren't quite there yet. And then to do it last year and win 22 games. And then it's like, okay, maybe we have finally gotten there. Like maybe we have finally gotten back to where we really feel like we should be. And then you start the season this way, you know? And, and again, every season's different now because of the transfer portal and NIL and everything. And you basically feel like you're recruiting a new team every year, but still like that is the talk about the highs and lows of Vanderbilt athletics. I don't know. It's just, you add another one to the list here based on how this season started a long way to go. I'm going to be the optimistic one here. Long way to go. A lot of games still to be played. I don't think they're going to go winless in the sec, but at a certain point, Chris, you know what this does to a fan base. I mean, we saw how many people were in attendance last night. When you lose these kind of games consistently, that's where all of a sudden you just, you just, your fan base is just doesn't care anymore. And Unfortunately, I don't think this is going to help. So, All right, moving along to the game of the night in the SEC. Florida in double overtime beats Michigan 106-101. to Gators place five guys in double figures. Zion Poland leads the way with 22 points, six rebounds, five assists. Tyree Samuel goes for 21-11. and 11. Max, I'll start with you here. Thrilling game. Uh, Florida went through a stretch in the second half where it just could not get stops, but survives and prevails in double OT. What a game. This game was was unbelievable. Zion Pullen hits the half-court buzzer beater, then hits a three to send it to double overtime. I mean, this game had a, had all the feel of like one of those crazy March games, um, and it helped pulling for – Florida, they come out victorious. Uh, I I was I said this a few times to my brother when we were watching it. 
Tyree Samuel is the key. He does, he just does so much for this team in the, in the post. And now don't get me wrong. Han Lokton, Condon, Haw, great pieces, great pieces. But Tyree Samuel just his offensive rebounding. It, unbelievable. I mean, he had, he had three assists. I don't know if all three of those were off offensive rebound kickouts, but I would bet you two of them are at least he, he just extends possessions Athletic enough to put the ball one on one on the dribble. I I just I love what I'm seeing out of Tyree Samuel and Blake. You were all over Tyree Samuel in the off season uh, with how high you were on him. Um, I would like them to clean up the turnovers a little bit. I think it's Clayton Kugel and Richard all had at least three turnovers each. Um, I mean, double OT game, so you're playing a lot longer. But um, just if they can clean up the mistakes just a little bit, um, I would like it. But I did like, I think it was uh, Florida Basketball Hour on Twitter. Uh, they tweeted out, they were talking about how Todd Golden changed his ball screen coverage about midway through the second half. And uh, that really kind of flipped the switch for uh, how Florida was defending the rest of the game. Um, so, yeah, Florida finally gets uh, gets one of those wins and pulls one out. Uh, let's see if they can get the ball rolling here down the stretch. You know, if I had one of those little canadian flags and just be waving it right now for mr tyree samuel the montreal native um That's yeah your guy. I mean, he's uh, he is he's my guy um got a lot of guys he's my guy um yeah i mean he's just been rock solid like he's been really consistent and he's been exactly what they needed him to be somebody who can score he can rebound um defend block shots like yeah um, I, yeah, I just was really impressed with him once again in this game, uh, playing against the, the former all SEC all-stars, uh, and Olivier Kamwa and Amari Burnett, um, just playing against a, you know, a, a fantasy draft of SEC players on Michigan, <laughs> which by the way, how about that? Like though they're starting five, you know, talk about some warriors, give those guys some credit because they're starting five all played 44 or more minutes in this game. Um, so yeah, props to Michigan on that, but a huge win for Florida because we talked about it in the power rankings. Like it was just one of those where, you know, you look at the Gators and I even told someone yesterday, I was like, I feel like Florida is just the biggest mystery. Cause I don't, they could go one of two ways here the rest of the way. Like I could see them being disappointing, but I could also see them finally sort of, you know, realizing what they can be and really turning it on and, and getting, you know, a lot of nice wins. And I think this was one that, you know, think about it, right. You just think about your confidence. If you lose this game, then it's like, Oh, well, we lost another one. They felt like, you know, we had a chance to win. And we'd mentioned, I mean, they, you know, they felt like they had dropped some of their biggest opportunities this year. The Baylor game, the Virginia game, those were close games where you felt like you had chances and they finally find a way to win this one. So no, I was I was impressed. I mean, they they made the plays and um, you know, because they were down almost double digits, I think, early in the second half. And um, they just kept kind of, you know, fighting and they kept making plays and it was different guys. Again, it wasn't just one guy and like you said, Max, the, the turnovers are still a bit of an issue, but I, if you're a Florida fan, you'll live with that kind of effort and that kind of performance because you see what's there with this team. Um, I don't think they're the deepest team in the SEC by any means, but uh, still, you're getting a lot out of the guys that are there and, you know, as usual, Zion Pullen showcasing why they brought him to Florida and why I think he's a great fit in what in the way Todd Golden wants to play. I mean, he's scored in double digits now in every game he's played in. 22, of course, this game. Uh, that was a, a high for him in the Gators uniform. So, yeah, huge win for Florida. They will be moving up our power rankings next week. Unless, 
I always got to put the caveat in now because remember what happened to Kentucky unless they lose to Grambling on Friday. So don't do that, Florida, because every time we say this about moving a team up, you know, they wind up losing a game they shouldn't. So don't do that uh, and you'll be fine. So one more thing I want to add on on Florida is past three games, Riley Kugel has not made a three. Okay. Against yeah. Richmond, he was 0 of 7. East Carolina 0 of 3 and then 0 of 5 against against Michigan. He's on he's on an 0 and 15 three game run that Florida is 3 and 0 in. Shooting like Chris Lee out there, man. <laughs> what, what have I done? I'll leave it at that. What have I done to, to deserve the, the wrath of Blake lately? Listen, Chris, you, you, you know, you, you, you get sick you, for a week, you get the flu. You, you, I know that's back, what I was going to say. You, you so the problem the is period again. you, you took, you had the week off. And so, you know, there's a lot of jabs that we like to, you know, a lot of jokes that we had to hold in and we're like, well, we can't get these out. Chris isn't here. So, but now that you're back, we got to unleash them all like in, you know, rapid succession here. So Max has got some for the next video. So don't worry. Oh, don't all give right. me any ideas. Love you guys too. <laughs> Merry, Merry All right, Christmas. Max, we can, we can mark off joke number four. On, <laughs> we'll get to five through ten on the next video. So. All right. Uh, we got plenty more SEC content coming up. Hold We're going to get into bowl games. Oh, sorry. Before we get there, let's talk about Alabama, Arizona, real quick. Um, oh, yes. Because we were going to do this in a separate video, but honestly, guys, we just got behind and didn't get a chance to to get to it. So the game's going to be played tonight, Wednesday night, as we're recording this. So we're just going to quickly run through this with just some some quick hitters on maybe what we think is going to happen in this one. Obviously, the, the headliner, uh, again, third straight game for Alabama, just against a gauntlet of teams, all 10, or excuse me, all three teams in top 10. Ken Palm, um, I'll, get you, I'll get the net rankings for them soon enough. I assume they're not top 10 in the net. They're probably all in the mid-50s or high-80s is my guess. Um, but... <laughs> Max, what do we think here? I mean, should, should we just – what's the clip I think you put out on Twitter of the, the Alabama-Creighton game? Is anybody going to get a stop in this yeah. game? Uh, can we just ask that same question about this game here? Uh, so I was breaking this – break. I actually did like a two-hour research on this game this morning. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to give you two I minutes to talk the, about I it. I went down so. the rabbit hole of this game. Yeah. Um. One thing that is is pretty important, I think, is the is the pace of this game. So the past two games, Alabama's played uh, Purdue and Creighton, obviously two two teams that like to run their half court offense, kind of slow the, slow the pace down a little bit and get clean offense. Arizona wants to fly. Arizona wants to get out and run. I think there's only like a point zero point one second average difference with their offensive tempo. So this is uh, we we tweeted it out uh, last night. I think this is. The third game this month to have a total over 170. Uh, it's it's opened at 173 and now up at 173.5. It's actually getting pushed up. Um, so, I mean, if there is ever a game that you want to tune in for, man, is it this one? Because it's just it's going to be fast. Um, another little note that I, I wanted to touch on that I thought was pretty interesting was uh, in the past five games, so that includes – Losing at Clem or losing at home against Clemson, and then the Purdue and Creighton loss, Alabama's never trailed by more than ten points. And we talked about in our reactions how they just they've got that fight and they're fearless and they feel like they're never out of the game. The numbers are kind of showing that they're. It's going to be hard to outrun this team. Like you, you really need them to have a bad shooting night, which is, I don't know if that's going to happen. 
Um, so this is just pretty much offense against offense. Uh, Arizona's we- weakest defensive uh, efficiency margin is their three-point defense. Alabama's weakest is their interior defense. It's just like both teams are kind of just like made to score against each other, and I'm excited. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, I think it was did the podcast or with Dave yesterday. She made in. He's like, poor Alabama. And I just completely forgot about this, but he's kind of right. It's like Alabama just seems to get the teams that are just pissed off. And, (laughs) you know, Purdue had lost to Northwestern the week before. I know they came back and beat Iowa, but they had lost to Northwestern the week before, game they shouldn't have lost. Creighton had lost to UNLV, game they shouldn't have lost, come back and, you know, kind of feeling pretty good after that. Then Arizona doesn't have the performance they want against Purdue. They lose that game, so now they get to come back with Alabama. So Alabama just had a bad run of not just playing great teams, but playing teams that are a little angry and have something to prove. So it's unfortunate that's the setup again in this one. But like you said, there's this will once again be another entertaining game. I mean, I think anytime Alabama plays, it's going to be entertaining this season. And, yep. you know, I think we got some pushback, at least on Twitter we did, having Alabama too high in our power rankings. But I just said I think Alabama's going to be fine. Um, I don't know how this game plays out because it's like the third game and they get this gauntlet, these teams, but I'm I'm curious to see how this one unfolds because I think again, Alabama offensively, they got a shot here, uh, but they're going to play an Arizona team that has something to prove after the way they they played against Purdue. So, yeah, it should be a fun one. Yeah, Alabama's eight and Ken Palm losses to what? Creighton, Purdue, Clemson, Ohio State? I mean, come on. Some of these teams in this league hadn't played one game like those four. They need to win one of these, though. Like, I, I get it. I get it. And, and I'm interested to see what Mark Sears' line looks like by the end of the night, by the way, uh, with the numbers he's putting up. But Yeah, that's the thing is, like, I feel like they put themselves in a position where this is not a must win. But, man, you really, would, you really need this one, like, based on all the other opportunities you've let slip away. So – Look, they'll have plenty of opportunities to pick up good wins in SEC play, and I don't think they're in danger of missing miss the tournament or anything if they don't win this one. But, boy, you would love, love, love to have this game if you're Alabama. This feels a lot like that season two years ago where they just couldn't defend. Now, the difference was they would they would win all the good games that year. They, they'd beat the Gonzagas, and then they'd, they'd go lose a game to, to some mind-numbing team. I also think the difference is they. this team, I think, wants to defend. I just don't think they're very good at it. Like, And I, I think that team a couple of years ago, we were like, they don't want to defend. Like, they don't. You know, I think that the inconsistency had a lot to do with I just think that they were not bought in on the defensive end. I, I mean, I, I see this, Max. Like, I don't watch Alabama and think, oh, they're not bought in on the defensive end. I just watch and say, you know, they've just got some fundamental issues, whether it's not getting your feet set in the right position, whether it's just, you know, being too physical, those kind of things. Like, I don't see this as a an effort thing by any means. Um, I'm not saying that was a complete issue for the team a couple of years ago, but I just think it was more of, you know, I just feel like that's kind of more the case with this team. It's just they just don't have the defensive skills that, you know, that, that maybe would help them a lot more and win, would have helped them win some of these games they've already played, so. Yeah, and that's why we're starting to you're starting to notice that our opinion on Alabama keeps looking more positive because every time you watch this team, they're like, "Man, 
this team just fought their heart and soul out in this game. It's like yeah. they really, really are hustling. One little quick note that I wanted to touch on. Muhammad Wagi past four weeks, okay, so just over the past four weeks, not whole season, in the SEC uh, in plus minus, he's tied for third. He's plus 10.6, Wagi. The only issue is his foul rate per 40 minutes is absurd. The guy is just fouling almost every other possession. So if Wagi can stay out of foul trouble, they've got something working there. It, the numbers are proving that. It's just he has not been able to stay out of any sort of foul trouble lately. And in a game where you're going to have Umar Balo and Crevis going back-to-back with then Kashad Showtime Johnson at the four giving you hell all night long, that you're going to need Wagi to stay out of foul trouble in this game. That's going to be a really big piece of this game that I don't think a lot of people are looking at because the defensive efficiency uh, compared from – you know, Pringle and Stevenson to Wagi is a, is very big. Wagi is much better defensively if he doesn't foul. Like, I want to point to a stat that, that might support what you're saying about them wanting to defend. Okay, tempo, 14.2 seconds per offensive possession. That's fourth in the country, according to Ken Palm. Defense, 18.5 seconds per possession. That's 345th. I'm not sure that I've ever seen a team with such a large discrepancy in the rankings on tempo from one side to, to the other. Yeah. I mean, it's just, again, it's just kind of the nature of what this team is like. And like we said, we're not sitting here saying, Oh, look how right we were. But I mean, we, we called this in June, you know, we, we just said this was going to be a team that you just looked at the roster and you said, it's not that they have guys that aren't going to buy in on the defensive end. It's just, we don't see how it all comes together on that side because the a lot of the guys they have are highly skilled offensive players that you know either are joining from somewhere where they were maybe a good defender but this is just a different animal when you're playing not just at sec but you're playing the kind of schedule that alabama's played so far and so yeah i mean it's i that's why again i know some people are going to look at this and say alabama six and four they're probably going to be six and five after this game how can you possibly be high on them and how can you possibly think that this team has a high ceiling well it's very simple it's just there's nobody out there i think that is as dynamic offensively as alabama outside of a handful of teams maybe um and so something else i would point out and i, I pointed this out yesterday in the conversation i had with dave was here's what's going to happen we see this every year there are some sec teams out there so far you can look at their offensive efficiency numbers and you can say, boy, that's a great offensive team. Guess what's going to happen? When they <laughs> get into the SEC play, that team is going to quickly become average because we see this every year. Some of these teams are going to pump those offensive numbers up against you know, inferior competition. But when you start playing SEC teams where you got guys that are same, you know, same size, athleticism, length, got it all, right? You're going to start to see... <laughs> Some of these teams not make as many threes, not get be, you know get as efficient, easy shots inside the paint, and those offensive numbers start going down. Alabama's offensive numbers, they're not going down. They may go down a little bit, but the way they play, again, at worst, I think Max... Too, too many guys who can score. Too many guys who can score. Yeah. At worst, they're probably a top-five offensive team. You know, I, at I worst. really believe that. At worst. So... I, Alabama's just going to go outscore some teams, I think, once we get an SEC play. And we'll see. This is just a theory, but 
I think you're going to see that there are some teams offensively that right now we may be like, oh, man, that team is fantastic on offense. Yeah, well, let's see who they played. And let's see, you know, if they're going to be able to keep that up offensively against teams that are going to be way more physical. They're going to be 85 free throws a game in the SEC sometimes. Um, very physical. So I think that's the advantage that Alabama still has, even though they may be one of the you know worst defensive teams in the league. Also a team last year who's one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And guess where they made up for it? With their offense. And you know what I'm talking about. The fighting Dennis Gates. So I think there's a there's a path still for Alabama, even if we go into league player like, oh, their record's not impressive. If you watch them play, trust me, they can still win a lot of games, even with, you know, a struggling defense. He always figures out a way, Max. Yo, I know, I know, I was going to say the same thing. What's that? To bring up think? the fighting Dennis Gates. Oh, did I did I mention Dennis Gates? Oh. Huh. I think they play on Friday against Illinois, by the way. I think the, the Illini, that's going to be a tough game for the FDGs. So. <laughs> We'll be here to talk about it and more. We've got some football bowl game previews on the way. For Max Barr and Blake Lovell, I'm Chris Lee. This has been Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.